It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. This is the Locked On Auburn podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Brought to you by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Use Fetch Me HomeDelivery.com or the free Fetch Me app. Use promo code FetchMe20. FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. I'm Zach Blackerby, joined in studio by two of my very good friends, Painter Sharpless of ESPN1067. Good morning. Hello, sir. Howdy, howdy. Michael Pappas of ESPN1067. Good morning. Hello, sir. You don't mind if I have a good day? I don't mind at all. All right. You can have a great day. That's fine. I had a pretty great day yesterday, not going to lie. So hopefully that rolls over into today. Sweet. Got a lot to do. Positive momentum's a good thing. Positive momentum is a fantastic thing. Gus Malzahn spoke to the media yesterday, said Auburn is going to redshirt running back Mark Anthony Richards, still rehabbing from knee injury, said he may play in the bowl game. Y'all's thoughts? That's the right move. I I agree. I don't think that right now there's really – much need to use other running backs. You've got a crowded running back position group, and it's going to get even more crowded next year when Tank uh, Tank Bigsby, yeah, when, when Tank is on campus. It's actually a really fascinating position group. Should be a strength for the team. I think this is a good thing. No need to rush him back. You don't really need him anyway. So Malzahn believes Booby Whitlow will be back in 100% against Georgia. So now your running back situation with Mark Anthony Richards uh, sounds like he is officially out for the Georgia game. Um Okay, I'm really sorry to interrupt you, but as far as this red shirt goes, Mark Anthony Richards could play in the next four games in red shirt. Yeah, right? but it's not healthy. It's uh, not healthy. Yeah, no, but no point this, in rushing him back. You don't need him, and uh, it, even even if he was, you know, very close to being healthy, why not just wait? And and if you want to get him in on some special teams, like in the Sanford and Alabama game, maybe that. I definitely think playing him in the bowl game. There's no downside to that. I also think he'd be like the fourth guy. Uh, the fourth running back? At least, yeah. I, I'm just saying that like, I don't really... like. I understand that this has made it official or whatever, but... Well, how much is he practicing? How many reps has he taken, I wonder? This is just one of those things I'm like, this is not... We knew this. Well, he said that they were going to redshirt him. Yeah. So, like, 
I think they were holding. There was they were holding out. I think to see if, if like they, I'm not sure they knew how long he'd be out. And I think it's pretty evident at this point that there's he just doesn't have a. I think you're right. Like we probably knew this at this point in the year. This is probably what it was coming to. Mm-hmm. But I think that they were keeping the option open to see if they could play him at least on special teams. And I know it's it's news because he confirmed it and like made it official or whatever. I'm not like I know why we're talking about it. I just I feel like. Even if they were to play him in these next four games, which they, you know, obviously are not, I mean, they would, they should still redshirt him either way, right? All right. So uh, with with Booby Whitlow being back against Georgia, it seems like it'll be back to normal. I am curious to see what the workload will be now that DJ Williams has appeared to be a pretty pretty effective running back in this offense. So I, I'm really anticipating that split. Whatever it is to frustrate Auburn fans, I, I think Booby Whitlow is going to get the bulk of the carries just because that's kind of what we've seen. I don't think it should be that way. I've really liked DJ Williams so far this year. The, Auburn has so many guys that Auburn fans want to see get the football. And it's like, you know, there's one ball. You know, yeah, only so many plays. Yeah. yeah. So it's. You know, if Auburn runs 90 plays and you want to get Seth Williams eight catches and Anthony Swartz eight touches and then Booby Whitlow 20 carries, well, right there you're at 36. And then if you want to get – I mean, it's – there's one ball, so there's going to be a lot of guys that finish with one or two touches in in these upcoming games. Hopefully those are, I guess, less skilled guys, but – yeah, uh, I think you're definitely right. I think DJ Williams should get the the lion's share of the carries, but I don't think it's going to happen. The other most notable thing that I think Malzahn said, Jeremiah Denton and Marlon Davidson, they have practiced and been 100% in the last two practices, so Auburn's starting defense should be back in full force against Georgia and have a full week of practice under the belt, their belt. That's a big deal. Yeah, I don't think that's a big surprise. I don't think that they felt like they needed those guys against Ole Miss, probably on that last drive a little bit more uh competitive than they would have liked but that that was a game i haven't really talked a ton with you guys about it in which auburn kind of traded places with lsu the week before where lsu moved the ball on auburn but wasn't able to put the ball in the end zone so ultimately didn't matter yeah auburn did some of that against Ole miss um but the defense still did its part and did and played well even without those two guys i I think precautionary there and great news for auburn you've got a, a nice time bye week um and and the defense i mean so long as they're not on the field too much against George, I think they'll keep you in a position to win that game and the Iron Bowl. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on so find your local dealer today that's kabotaorangedays.com all right some other news happening auburn related former auburn quarterback joey gatewood is visiting kentucky this weekend and so uh, kentucky interestingly enough they have a quarterback committed in the 2020 class from lexington catholic his name is bo allen but this bow is spelled differently so maybe he can beat out oh, this bow. No. Is it the B E A U X bow? Uh, no X. It's B E A U. Okay, Alan. I'm seeing. I'm seeing more. That name is becoming very popular among the whites these days. <laughs> <laughs> Over but, uh, the last two years, I've I've heard at least four babies with that name. And when I graduated college, I don't know if I knew any. Yeah, I knew one 
when I was in elementary school or middle school or something, and I thought sounds that like was, a Dallas name. I thought that was just the like, wait. Are the, you from Texas? Yeah, I am. Okay. Um, I thought that was one of the cooler names, like just with the spelling and everything. I thought it was so cool. Sounds kind of French, a exactly. little Louisiana to it. Yeah, to I think so. At least exactly. with the X. Maybe B O U G H. That'd oh. be cool. Bach. Bo. Bo. Bo Nix. But yeah, Joey Gatewood visiting Kentucky. I think that's interesting. And the other programs that are, are reportedly in the mix Mississippi State, Florida, and LSU. Joey Gatewood wants to stay in the SEC. I think this could Wait. be a great move for Kentucky, but I'm. I, I'm just not on this train that says whatever team Joey Gatewood goes to, that he becomes Justin Fields. I think there's or a there's a thought the among the job. yeah there's a thought among the Auburn fan base, and and I understand that we've talked about it where there at least seem to have been some moments in the LSU game where you ought to have played him, even if you don't pull him for yeah. Bo. I, I think that much you can concede. Bo spelled B-O in this situation. Right. And, uh, so <laughs> it's important I, you know, to clarify. We've seen Kentucky with Stoops. And another interesting side piece there, you know, he was the defensive coordinator at one point for Florida State. So Stoops has managed to bring some stability to Kentucky. So I think yeah. interesting to see if anything comes of that. But I'm not convinced that just because he goes there that he wins the job, although I certainly think he could. I'm not, you know, I think it'll depend on – a number of factors. But if you tell me he goes to Kentucky and eventually becomes a starter, I can believe that. And I can see him having some success, but I'm not worried about Joey Gatewood doing what Justin Fields is doing at Ohio yeah. state. I'm not worried about him doing what Kyler Murray did at Oklahoma or even Jalen hurts is doing. I think that they're in a different tier. Well, of, of those schools though, can I mean, Mississippi list, state, I'm not worried about. You want can me to listen list again? The schools again yeah. yeah. So Kentucky this weekend, the Mississippi state, Florida and LSU. So, I mean, I think if he goes to Florida and Mullins gets his hands on Joey, that could be a really exciting pairing. Yeah. But that I could be so a good too. pairing. Okay. But they have uh, either a true freshman, they have or a Jones, freshman yeah. Emory Jones. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's no guarantee he wins that job. At Mississippi State, they've got Garrett Strader, that true freshman I, I who think it has would actually be, played it, pretty well this it season. It would be intriguing to see Joey Gatewood work with, with Mullen because I think he's definitely done a lot with less. I mean, I'd, I would be intrigued to see a guy that could take Nick Fitzgerald and make him productive get his hands on Joey Gatewood. And then LSU is interesting just because whoever is quarterback there, though we hadn't really seen this in the past, but I mean, they're going to be in a great situation to succeed just because they're so talented. But once again, I, it, I agree with you, Michael. If he has to sit out a year and there's younger quarterbacks that already have the job and they don't leave, it's going to be tough for him to find a spot. So we'll see. We'll see. Just kind of worth, uh, also, worth looking and, at. And notable, he never outright won a job in high school or in college. I mm-hmm. think in high school, you can talk about the other quarterback being talented as he also got a scholarship to go play Division One football. Um, and Joey was a top 50 athlete or, you know, top 50 player and the number one overall athlete. So, like, obviously he did enough to be very impressive. Uh, but I think to Michael's point, it's not just a given. Zach, I don't know what article you saw about this. I saw one that was from a guy from Kentucky Sports Radio that had Joey's senior year of high school, like, uh, highlight tape yeah. in the video. And I watched it. And I've never been further off the Joey Gatewood train than after I watched his high school highlight tape. As in, you didn't, you weren't impressed with it. 
it's not that it wasn't impressive, but it was one of those highlight tapes where the the plays are impressive. He he's a good runner, but he's a guy who's six four, six five, two hundred and something pounds, whatever he is, and like he would be breaking tackles and making cuts in the open field against like five foot nine white dudes mm-hmm. that you're kind of like, yeah, I like, not you expect that, but. You know, when you watch, like, Derrick Henry's highlight film from high school, you sit there like, oh, my gosh. And this just was, like, nowhere near something like that for someone that was so highly touted. And then you saw, like, you can see in his highlight film how, at times, he's just lazy with his mechanics. Well, I th- And that's I, in his highlight I tape. think I'm not as high as Zach is on Joey, but I will say it's, it is certainly possible that he has improved in some of those areas as well in the last few years. I definitely agree. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Let's uh, let's look at the recruiting news. Big recruiting news yesterday. Auburn landed a stud. Four-star defensive end Jay Hardy from Chattanooga Macaulay High School of Tennessee. He chose the Tigers over Tennessee. 6'4", 290 pounds. I mean, that's exactly what you want. The number 97 player in the 247 sports composite. And, uh, I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, if you're a good defensive lineman, I would want to go to Auburn. So, good for him. It's a big pickup for Auburn, and Rodney Garner continues to, I, I think, probably make, you know, massage any concern Auburn fans might have about the defensive line. Look, it's going to be an interesting reload for Auburn at defensive line because I think they're going to be really good again next year. And yet, at the same time, they may not be and almost certainly won't be as good as they are this year. Yeah. Doesn't mean they won't still be a top 20 defensive line and pro- probably a top 20 defensive unit in the country. Right. But when you have what looks like a top 10 draft pick, a guy that's getting his name tossed around in the first round and you know Nick Coe hasn't put it all together but there are obviously other pieces. I get it. It's just not going to be likely a statistically dominant next season. Well, and, and folks are going to look at this recruiting class to be the class that replaces some of those guys. Sure. But- that's not going to be the case at all. I mean, the guys that are replacing them are already on campus. Well, I, I, I think this is. I mean, this is about a 180 from what the other side of the ball that offensive line has been in recruiting over the last few years. Whereas Rodney Garner and, and Kevin Steele have been able, and you know, you could say the same thing at, at the other levels with Travis Williams' ability to recruit at linebacker yeah. and, and how they look in the secondary with young talent. They have not missed a lot on on big prospects, or at least on the guys they want. And this this player happens to be a big prospect if you if you're concerned about recruiting rankings. And the uh, the commitment piece, you know, Jay Hardy talks a lot about. There's some quotes about him talking about Marlon Davidson, and he kind of reminds me of Marlon Davidson, that true defensive end. I mean, now it seems like you're either a defensive tackle or you want to be a buck outside linebacker pass rusher but like this guy is a true defensive end but see I I think there's a chance he's already 290 I think if he gets on campus and it would be exciting to see him you know stay lean and play in I would I would like that a lot 
I, but I think if you're 290 and, and you put on 15, 20, like that doesn't seem difficult. Suddenly, I think you're looking at a guy that could be about 310. That's a good point. Playing tackle. That's a good point. And his comp, his comp, Nick Fairley. So interesting, you know. A uh, little three technique. Yeah, and it yeah. doesn't mean that you you may be right. He may stick to end, mm-hmm. but I think his frame would allow him to go interior. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he is already two ninety. These guys typically gain twenty pounds their first two years there. That's a solid point. It it's either not- way. It's a good. It's a great pickup for him. Yeah, I gained fifty when I came to college. Really? So. You feel good about that? Different nope. different okay. kind of uh, different kind of weight. Yeah, or was it all muscle? All all girth? Actually, a little bit of both. Okay. How about that? How about that? Chunky bulking season. Hashtag. Yummy. Hardy, uh, he, all right. So he's number. He's a nineteenth recruit in this class. Auburn moved from the thirteenth ranked class to the number eight. So now in the top ten. That's kind of your your benchmark goal that we've seen with Malzahn classes. There are now two defensive linemen in this twenty twenty class. The other one is Daniel Foster Allen. He is from Mobile. And so um, Keith Niebuhr wrote this. But now they want to add. They want to add two more defensive linemen to this class. They want another defensive tackle and they want another Buck player. So and that'll kind of that's kind of their goal. Uh, it sounds like to to round out this recruiting class. So, um, we have uh, we have another voicemail to get to, and I want to make sure I, I I'm not memorized the number yet. So hold on. Do, do, all right, you can call and leave a voicemail at two zero five five zero two four two eight five. And uh, yeah, let's listen to this. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. I sure. just had a couple thoughts from Saturday's game, mostly regarding the offense. Uh, the first one had to do with play calling. So while I thought the play calling was better than normal. Uh, meaning passing on first downs, easier throws for Bo Nix and stuff like that. Third down kind of – I didn't really like the third down play call. So oftentimes we were in third and medium, like third and four, third and five, third and six. But Gus would call up a 50-50 ball to Seth Williams about 30 yards down the field. To me, that doesn't really make sense. When you're nickel and diamond them down the field, you get to the 30-yard line, all of a sudden you want to throw a bomb. doesn't really make much sense. The second one was we had a lot more push on the interior, I thought. I thought Nick Brahms had a uh, had a really big difference on the game. Also, when you're throwing the ball, it opens up the run a lot more, so that has stuff to do with it, too. And the last one was I thought while Bo had that one fumble and the almost interception, which Anthony Schwartz was running wide open over the middle of the field on, uh, he was much better. His passer rate, I believe, was like 30 for 40-something, so that was really, really, really improved, and he stepped up in the pocket which was really good to see. And my, honestly, my most, uh, my, the most impressive play he had to me was actually an incomplete pass. It was in the first quarter. He had really hard pressure. He thought about uh, dropping out of the pocket and running, but he stepped up and delivered a throw to uh, Sal Canelo over the middle, but unfortunately it fell short. But it was still a really, really good, really mature play. Thanks for taking my call. See you on the show. Appreciate you calling. So uh, r- there were really three things there. Play calling, the play of Brahms, and then, uh, of course, Bo Nix. We'll start with the play calling. I- I've said this before. I really didn't have a huge issue with the play calling. I know you mentioned a few you know, third down plays where he maybe threw it a little bit farther down and took a riskier play. But that's part of what Gus has done throughout his, throughout, you know, his career as a, as, a, as a play caller. I don't mind being aggressive just because over the past few years we hadn't seen that at all. We hadn't seen Auburn be aggressive at all. So... I don't hate that. I understand. I understand why you feel that way. But if they were to connect on any of those, I think the I think the mindset of it is is, is a little different. A few things. One, I think Auburn played with better pace in this game, and you could call that aggression if you wanted to, substituting less. And when Auburn's able to get that initial first down, it often allows them to do that. But um, 
I think in the Florida game, I had more quarrels with Gus Malzahn's play calling than I did in the LSU game. The thing that probably frustrated me more about Ole Miss, and there may be some things I just simply don't know or did not see that Gus Malzahn and the offensive staff saw, but I felt very much like we would see Anthony Schwartz and some other players get a lot of opportunities on Saturday against Ole Miss, an inferior opponent, and it sort of feels like some of those weapons aren't being used in their biggest games. Now, by comparison, Auburn ran a ton more plays against Ole Miss, so they had more opportunity to target and use more players than they did against LSU. But sometimes it feels like the best weapons aren't always used by Gus in those big games. And and so my frustration was, uh, you know, get Schwartz involved and some of those other really talented players in your biggest games. And also, um, you know, I like the pace. I think that's excellent for yep. Auburn if they can get that first down. I think you hit the nail on the head, Zach, which you said there at the end with the long, about the long passes that uh, I think it's a little bit revisionist history to say, you know, it's a bad play call when they don't complete the pass because, you know, if they did complete the pass and picked up 57 yards on third and four, you'd be extremely excited and right. love that it be, it play becomes call. A, it becomes a great call. Yeah. Yeah. And – we see it all the time on on fourth down, right? The coach converts or the team converts the fourth down. Coach is a genius for going for it. They don't get it. Coach is a bum for yeah. Going they're for an it. idiot for going for it. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he mentioned the play of Brahms. I 100% agree. I've been a guy that's kind of been in the Caleb Kim camp, uh, really dating back since last year, and I, I do think Brahms is better. I don't think the difference is huge. But I think as far as for the future of the program, Brahms is going to be the starter next year. And I think it kind of gives you a little bit of experience coming back because they're not going to have a whole lot of that on the offensive front. Um, Yeah, I thought Brahms did fine. Yeah, uh, he got beat sometimes, but I think there's a real argument um, based on the way that they were graded in in terms of running behind Harrell that he was the second best on the day. And I think, you know, based on the fact that you – probably have seen Caleb Kim get beat some too like you're like you're saying not a huge difference but also he's probably a little bit better in the run game so if you're this is sort of an an oversimplified way of looking at it but if you're you're expecting your center to get beat a few times a game what either one and one of them is better in one phase running the ball or at least creating holes yeah you you kind of default to Brahms I think at this point it's clear that Kim they've continued to give him opportunities and and I I think now they're going in a different direction and then Bo Nix his play, I mean, I, th- I think he was fine. I don't think he was the reason why this he was got a, a helmet close game. sticker. Um, I think some right. of that might be intentional. They're trying to pump him up before the two biggest games of the year. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, they moved the ball. They got to finish and score. That was the knock against LSU. It wasn't you know in, in that game LSU's offense was successful, but they didn't score. And Auburn was successful against Ole Miss, but didn't score. And so moving the ball in between you know, the 20 and 20 or the 30 and 30, like that's not good enough. Auburn's got to finish drives. That's killed them in some big games in the past. Did you guys see what Penn Athletics, what they changed their Twitter bio yes, to? Yes, it's yeah. a, a nicely done trolling by the Penn Quakers. Yeah, so the at Penn Athletics, the Penn Quakers, their, uh, their, their bio is now the official Twitter feed of Penn Athletics, big in Auburn, hashtag fight on Penn. And for those that don't know, they beat Alabama, and uh, Alabama, I believe, is the only team in the conference with a loss right now. So I think Alabama funny. still can and likely will finish in the top half of the league. I, I like their chances to really improve as the year goes along. I think they made a good hire in NATO. Certainly, it, it, that is. I, I think he has at least done his part so far. He is energizing the fan base. 
He's hit the, the road hard recruiting. He's trying to create relationships with high schools since he's not from the region. Um, he did a good job of getting players who were thinking about leaving the program to come back. Yeah, uh, He got a, a transfer, a former five-star transfer from Villanova. So, like, there are some reasons for Alabama fans to be excited, but it obviously wasn't the start they wanted. This is a, uh, a very fun couple days for Auburn fans, LSU fans, Tennessee fans, whomever gets to sit back and kind of laugh that Penn beat Alabama. But this doesn't give me – I mean, this makes me a little nervous for the rest of the season because, you know, by all reports, by everything we've seen through his career, Nate Oates is a good basketball coach, and we know that that's a talented basketball team. And, I mean, that poor kid who – Missed the two free throws that would have tied the game. There and he scored the thirty that night. Oh, I mean, he, he's he's a good player. Yeah, um, it, it just doesn't. I, I'm a little worried now that Alabama is just going to go on an absolute tear. But we'll see. We will see. Well, cool guys, this was fun. Painter, where can people find you and hear you, bud? Listen to the lunch break from eleven to one on ESPN 106.7. We've got that podcasted for you wherever you listen to podcasts: Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that good stuff. And I'm on Twitter at Paint Sharpless. Fantastic. Michael? Follow me on Twitter at Couch Potato. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackaby. Follow the show on Twitter, Locked On Auburn. Locked On Auburn breaking 1,000 follows last night. Thank you for that. Thank so you. head over there and we'll see you tomorrow to wrap up our work week. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.